Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Forza Italian Football Podcast. Round 36 has been played. Ewan Burns is giggling in the background, and we are here to talk through all of the action as Milan took another step towards the Scudetto. I'm here. I've got Kev Pugzelski with me. A very bunged up and not in very good shape, Kev Pugzelski, and not through alcohol consumption this week. Kev, hello. How are you? Um, well, yeah, I was going to say I'm good, but yeah, I'm a little... Uh... Full of hay fever, bit knackered, full of arthritis. Yes, I'm old. Um, I wasn't going to say it this week because I feel sorry for you, to be honest. It's all my travelling and extracurricular activities, I think, is taking its toll a little. You've spent more days outside of... I was going to say England. You've spent more days outside of Portsmouth than in Portsmouth in the last month, I reckon. Yeah, I think in certainly the last fortnight, I've only spent four nights at home. Really? Yeah. That's good going. It's very good going. We we might touch on some of your travels at, at some point in this podcast, um, particularly because Vito Doria, you are also here in your orange top. How are you keeping? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. Thank you, Connor. <laughs> I thought you were going to come back at me with that. Okay, uh, moving on to the giggly uh, boy himself, Ewan Burns. How are you keeping? I'm good. I went on a pedal boat today, so I can't really I complain. I saw please. that, all right. Been on a pedal boat in the sun. That's a nice thing to be doing. It is a nice thing. Um, Yeah, it is a nice thing to be doing. So I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. But you had a bit of heartache when you saw the Italian restaurant with guanciale on the menu was was closed. And mm. yeah, it's it's a rare thing in this country to find somewhere with the word guanciale on the menu instead mm. of pancetta. You just don't really find it. To be fair, and I did even outside of Rome. Even outside of Rome, you're lucky if you see a, a menu with guanciale on the menu, um, a menu with guanciale on it. Um, but yes, we are here to talk about round 36 of Serie A, and it finished with Milan still two points clear of Inter at the top. That's because they rounded out Sunday's action by beating Verona 3-1 in Verona after going 1-0 down as well. A huge win for the Rossoneri, and Inter had kicked Serie A's action off for the weekend with... A 4-2 win that was anything but convincing or comfortable. Genoa then beat Juventus 2-1 with a last-minute Mimo Crescito penalty. Big, big balls on the captain stepping up to take in the in the 96th minute, having missed in the derby last week. Napoli beat Torino 1-0 and Sassuolo beat Udinese. No, they didn't. They drew 1-1. Um, Lazio beat Sampdoria 2-1. Atalanta beat Spezia 3-1. Venezia... Are still alive. They won 4-3 at home to Bologna, remarkably and infuriatingly for reasons that we won't get into. And Salernitana were pegged back in the last minute by Cagliari. The 99th minute to draw 1-1 in Salerno. So, the relegation race just, or the survival race, I should say, just got hotter. Things in Serie A Feminile went mad as well. You and I will talk about that in just a bit. But first, a reminder to head to patreon.com slash football to support the podcast and the website for two, five, or 10 euro a month. Every little bit of help you can give us is very much appreciated and it will help us to make some improvements to the podcast over the summer in terms of production value. So we appreciate everyone who's been on board there. Patreon.com slash Forza Italian Football if you want to sign up. Guys, we've got to start in fatal Verona because Kev, it didn't prove fatal this time. Milan went 1-0 down. And it looked like it was going to be another bad memory in Veneto for them. But Sandro Tonali scored twice, both assisted by Rafael Liao. And then Alessandro Florenzi won it, or sealed it rather, late on to claim three huge points for the Rossoneri. Yeah, I, I, I didn't think it looked uh, fade too early on, even with Verona taking the lead. 
because um, I tweeted out probably about 25 minutes into the game that Verona were treading a very fine line. Um, there were a couple of questionable fouls on the hours he sort of broke towards or even was arguably inside the um, Verona box. They sort of were overzealous in some of those those challenges and their defending was just awful at times. And you thought you couldn't really see them tur- you know, not conceding and whether they'd have enough goals to, to beat Milan. But it was obviously a brilliant performance from, from them. And, uh, you know, Liao's performance alone, I think, was... Was, was was brilliant and it's one of those where if you're you know where I put the player of the week uh, in uh, every round you wonder can you not choose Tonali because he scores two of the three goals but then Raphael was, mm. Liao was probably the architect of the the entire performance if not necessarily the victory I know he got two assists but the, the performance I think he kept taking it to the Verona defenders he kept he kept stretching the pitch and stretching the pay with his pace and his sort of directness you could make the argument that Tonali doesn't get either of the go- those goals if Leao's not on the pitch. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the green light if you want to go for Rafa Leao for your Player of the Week. I'm I'm not gonna complain about it. I'm not gonna kick off as I sometimes do. But that said, if Leao's Player of the Week, Vito, this Scudetto, if Milan win it, is a large, a largely down to to Sandro Tonali. Uh, yeah, I agree. He's improved so much this season. He took a lot of time to settle in in the last campaign and, you know, of course, being a young player and, of course, when you're Italian, the locals definitely put the pressure on you a bit more. But uh, this time, it's like he's seemed to have gained greater maturity and I think his play in general has been important. I think he's able to control the play a bit more and... uh, even uh, defensively, he does his tasks. In this game in particular, he showed that uh, he's got the scoring qualities as well. And uh, I think if someone who's not a regular scorer for Milan, but really deserved some goals, it's certainly Sandro Tonali. Um, I, I very much feel in agreement with what Kev briefly said about how even when Milan went 1-0 down, it didn't necessarily feel like all these demons were coming back and everything. Because... They just kind of similar to how I felt with Inter, which obviously we'll talk about later. But I just felt like they still looked assured. They didn't look like they were panicking. They'd had a goal disallowed narrowly just before. They were creating chances, and they just got caught on the break. And it it didn't necessarily feel like it was really going to go any other way. And you know they 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 got they got the two goals they needed relatively quickly, and it was nowhere near as nervy nervy an affair as we probably expected and maybe hoped it would have been for an entertainment perspective. Well, we've got to give Pioli credit for that, right? Because he seemed to set it up tactically spot on from the off because Milan were like almost, it felt like they were strangling Verona at times. Yeah, absolutely. They, you know, they, they Verona carried a, f- a threat throughout the game. So, you know, they do in every game, they've got good forward players, but you know, they, Milan didn't look particularly pressurised, you always felt like they had another gear. And I think, like I said, Pioli would have known that. He would have said, just just keep it tight. G- gentle passes out from the back. They, they weren't trying anything mad. You know, the defenders weren't pinging it 35 yards down the channel or anything. It was all very sort of, I say basic, but you know what I mean? Assured. Um, and they just did the job. I'm looking for the, the specific numbers here, Kev, but in 16 games this season, or this year rather, Milan have kept 10 clean sheets. Now, I, I don't I don't remember how many goals they've conceded, but 10 clean sheets from 16 games in 2022, that is astonishing. Yeah, and it, it, it builds that confidence that if you're not going to concede goals and you can feel quite um, positive about, about moving forwards and I found it quite interesting the starting position from Tonali a, a lot of the time. I think with that, with that resolute back line they've got, it allowed him to sort of push forward. He had that goal disallowed where he was just sort of marginally offside. But to think of him as the most advanced attacking player, as Mike Mannion sort of puts that long ball over the top, he he's clearly been given license to just go. You know, when we attack, you can go, or when there is the ability for you to press on the last defender and get yourself up there almost as a you know, it's strange because you had 
Salamakas and Liao, who probably could drift in from the, the wings, to but that it was Tonali that was almost making a, a second striker alongside Giroud. And, you know, no doubt why, certainly for the for the second, I was going to call it the winning goal, why it was Tonali that was just bursting forwards. Because he drove forwards with the sort of determination that some of the Verona defenders should have should have shown really to get back. And then one of them might have been in position to not allow him to tap that in. But I think there is, men- mentally, I think if you're running back as a defender or if you're running back as an opposition player to score, you're always going to get there first because, uh, you know, it's glory over whatever the defender gets out of doing the, um, the clearing. There was someone saying yesterday about Tonali, I forget who it was now, I think it was a, an old sporting director or something, um, basically saying that the next bit of his game is essentially exactly what he did tonight, of getting in the box and scoring more goals, cause, and also that he did say scoring from the edge of the box as well. But what I find odd about Tonali, but it's a brilliant quality, is that I... I'd never look at him and think you're running quickly. Like he doesn't look quick, but he yeah. makes up the ground. Like the player always comes into my head for that is Berbatov. Berbatov used to just mm. meander along the pitch, but he'd, he'd have done the whole pitch <laughs> quite quickly. And Tonali feels a bit like that, particularly the his second goal. He he doesn't look like he's really going to make it, but he you know he gets there. He clearly has got the pace. He's just got this sort of deceptive running style, but you know if if he can obviously the season's coming to an end, but generally speaking, if he can add that element more regularly to Milan's attacks. That's huge for them. We've also got to, again, if we're talking about how, how good this Milan team are, we alluded to the defensive record there as well. Vito, a big part of that is down to both Ficaro Tomori and Pierre Calulu. Now, both came into this game a booking away from suspension with Atalanta being the next game. So the fact that neither of them got booked in this game says a lot about their maturity as well because it would have been quite easy for them to be wasting time late on there but but they didn't no they kept uh, cool heads and and for the reasons you just mentioned it's uh, a great thing for Pioli they did considering how look, even if decimated is a bit exaggerated but due to the losses that they've had in defense this season I think the importance of both Kalulu and Tomori have become greater. And uh, considering that the title's not sealed up yet, um, I think it's uh, yeah, great that they did keep their heads. And for the next two rounds, uh, uh, hopefully they maintain that maturity because I think it will go a long way for Milan to sustain that title. And also, they're doing it without Kyer because he's been injured for the second half of the season. So to take on that mantle and to make uh, good decisions without him offering that mentorship on the pitch, uh, I think that's a big plus. Good decisions, solid defending, mature performances. Inter, um, they went 2-0 down at home to Empoli, the worst team in Serie A since December by a distance. And they won 4-2, but I feel... I don't feel comfortable praising them, Kev, because they went 2-0 down at home to Empoli, the worst team in Serie A since December. It was it, it was a mad start to the game. And, and you know, I know Ewan said that they, 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 they controlled that, you know, even though behind. I think there was um they, they weren't panicked when they went behind, but I certainly was panicked for them because they they, <laughs> they looked all over the place just uh, just for a little while. And you had I always worry for sides. Um, I think they're were, they were only, yeah, they would have only been one down at the time when um, Barella had that awful sort of front flip that he did because he got a slight nudge in the back and then we had quite a long VAR delay for the penalty. I got a bollocking um, on Twitter because of that. Don't know why, but there you go. I did see some of your interactions <laughs> with Sabrina, but I thought to myself, you know, it, it's it's never a good sign when fans are. Oh, sorry, sorry, I said fans. But when players are that early in a game, sort of really crowding the ref and really sort of begging for the penalty, because you think you've got no faith that you're going to turn this around. You're only one nil down. It's only twenty five minutes in. But um, yeah, they 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 got through it. The um, 
if, if I did use the word controlled earlier when I mentioned into then I take that I don't know if I did or not but I take that back because I think what I meant was that they they carried a threat I would I would certainly wouldn't call it control over the game because they were, they were still like you say panicking at the back and everything but they did look like they were gonna score the goals but um what you say Kevin about how they you know crowd the ref and everything there was, there was a moment I think it was a it was either at 2-0 or 2-1 and Inzaghi just he was like Near, nearly at the corner flat. He was like halfway into into zone half and a member of their technical staff had to come and get him, basically. <laughs> and it was it was things like that coupled with all the crowd around the ref and everything. And you think back to what was it that happened to one of their members of staff got sent off or something last weekend. Um it all looked a bit panicky. And you get you get the feeling that there's there's not quite the same sort of mental strength in that entire team than you get with Milan. They do reflect in Zaggy in a way, right? Because when you watch in Zaggy during a match, he does look panicky. Even if he's not, he's just a bit mad. And I think Inter have gone back to being that. Conte managed to drill it out of them. In his first season, all right, Inter were still Pazza Inter. But in his second season, they were anything but. You know, they were just so professional. But Zaggy hasn't been able to get that same mental side out of them. Sometimes they've played football as good as Conte's team did. The fact that they got through in the Champions League deserves credit. But I think in, in some aspects, this team have regressed. And that could as well be in, in part down to the absence of individuals like Lukaku, who was such a leader in that team. But I take your point. I, I never, ever felt comfortable, even when Inter were 3-2 up. And Vito, I mean, it doesn't really get easier for Inter than Empoli, because I, I personally don't think there's an easier game in Serie A than than Empoli at the moment. Um, next week, Inter have to go away to Cagliari, who are still fighting for their lives after that point. And then on the last day of the season, they host Sampdoria, who could very much be fighting for their lives. So they've got two relegation-threatened teams now, and they'll put up a more stern test than Empoli did, you'd imagine. You'd, you'd think so, because uh, there's just so much at stake for both Cagliari and Samp. Um, uh, the the way those two teams are going to play, they're definitely going to try and uh, stifle things a lot more than what uh, Empoli did. Although Empoli played well for about 40 minutes, but once Simone Romagnoli scored that own goal, uh, the Tuscan side, they just uh, collapse. And uh, although Inter just dominated from their own in, they were so wasteful as well. So f- for all the chances they created and they eventually, you know, scored those goals, especially Lautaro. He supplied those two fine finishes. I mean, you had Barella waste a few chances. Jekka, when he came on, he wasted his share. And he was also unfortunate to be denied by the post near the end. And also Joaquin Correa was also very wasteful as well. He was quite poor, in fact. So, uh, so. In a game like this, look, against Empoli, it was okay that they could get away with it and waste those chances, but if they're going to find chances limited against Coyote and Samp, then that's a concern because sometimes if the ball's not going to the back of the net, then the pressure in their own minds will build up and that could be detrimental for the Nerazzurri. How often have we used the word wasteful to describe into this season, by the way? 37 shots, only 37. They didn't breach the the 40 barrier this time. Kev, Lautaro Martinez scored two of his shots, though, and and he's proving to be an important player come the end of the season again. Yeah, well, he's probably one of their their outright starters now after they sold off most of what they had last season. What, What I really enjoyed about his goals was the sort of technique there's something really sort of beautiful about a sort of a ball sort of about an, a yard off the floor and where you hit it down almost at the point at where your leg is joining your foot. So you're sort of top or you're, you're top of your top of your, your foot. I love hearing you try to describe things. Yeah, well, thank you. And <laughs> um, but the the speed at which the second came to me, like he almost struck him in, in with very much the same technique, but the speed at which the winning goal the, you know, the, the third goal came to him and just sort of drill it into the ground. I just thought, oh, you know, technically brilliant strikes, really, mm-hmm. which I don't know, the cliche is just what you teach the kids to do on the training field or, you know, <laughs> one of those. What do you make of a celebration, Kev? 
Well, I saw you saying about he took his shirt off. He took uh, his shirt off. Got a needless booking. Now, um, right, there's that, okay, which is daft. However, as as much as you filled the role of Roy Keane last week, Kev, despite not even being on the pod, I think I'm going to fill the role of Roy Keane this week because if you've just recently lost at Bologna to let the title slip out of your hands to your cross City rivals and you're having come from behind against the worst team in Serie A to go ahead in a game that ultimately mightn't mean anything because Milan still have the title in their hands and I just don't think you should be taking your top off celebrating a goal. I think it should be right. Stern faces. We're happy. We're relieved. Let's get on with it. You shouldn't be taking your top off to, to celebrate. Oh yeah, we're, we're top for a day. It's daft. This um, it kind of reminds me of a uh, former Inter coach, Rafa Benitez, and uh, there were reports that when he was uh, first at Liverpool, telling the uh, players not to smile. You know, in the ch- <laughs> even even in the uh, even in the tunnel. Don't smile to your opposition. You know, game face, everybody, game face, everybody. Go. I think having a game face is, you know, perfectly understandable. But I think they've come from two down. Against Ampoli. A couple of weeks. Yeah, but yeah, but still, it's it's not the opposition. It's the time of season. And it's how close they are to, you know, getting back in the joint ways. Obviously, at, at this point, it's putting pressure on Milan. It's not... It, it's not. Don't take Milan your top off really when you put pressure on someone. My age, I wouldn't take my top off anyway now, but okay. <laughs> yeah, I think the only thing I disagree with is it's, it's just a needless booking because you know he, he could still be, he could still the adrenaline be flowing after that goal, and he could sort of try and chase down a defender, hang out a, a, a leg. The defender makes the most of it. In, in modern football, you can pick up a quick book and he could be off. So I think that's the only thing where I'd be sort of maybe telling him, keep your shirt on, uh, Lautaro. Even so, you know, when it comes to celebrating like that and you take your top off, you'd think that you'd save it for like a last-minute winner or something like that. When he scored, that was like around the 64th, 65th minute. So you've got another 25 minutes. And as Kev pointed out, there is that chance of getting the um, additional bookings. So I think when you also still have enough on the line as well, I think it's unnecessary. I mean, when you do those celebrations, when you know you're going to get a yellow card, I think you just got to save it right to the death. And then that's when you can carry on with the theatrics if you want to go down that path. Kev, how is that worse? No, that was in response to Ewan's comment. comment. Ah, okay. Come on, read, right, read, read the... Read, read <laughs> sorry, the, uh... but it was, it was the timing that you typed it because Vito said in the 90th minute and then you started... I was like, hang on, how has he, how has he come well, to that conclusion? Anyway, moving on. Um, Someone who I would have forgiven for taking their shirt off with their goal. Now, I don't know if he did or not because I was sitting in a hotel in Florence, to be honest, but Giorgio Altare because in the 99th minute, he leveled for Cagliari to, to draw 1-1 at Salernitana in a point that could prove so, so important at the bottom of the table. Because now, now let me just, I need to process this, okay? Bottom of the table on 20 points, we've got Venezia. Above them, Genoa on 28, Cagliari 29, Salernitana 30, Spezia and Samp 33. Venezia are probably still gone. They're not going to win both of their games and have other results go their way. But other than that, it's very much all to play for again. And you and I've got to say, once Salernitana took the lead today, I thought that was it. I thought Salernitana were getting three more points on the board. This game ended in blissful chaos. It was it was wonderful. Um, it was it was horrible to watch if you sort of imagine that you're actually in the situation where you're mm. really affected by the outcome. But um, yeah, I, I've, I've found myself naturally wanting Salernitana to win because of the you know the, the, the story that it's become. Um, but Callery did deserve that equaliser right at the end because I think they were wronged um, penalty-wise just before that. And, um, <laughs> and you know, as, as much as the draw is a bit null in terms of that relegation fight, it's very much just as you were, whereas a win for Salentano would have been um, 
would have been it would have shaken it all up even more. Um, I do think they were they were worthy of it in the end. I know exactly what you mean because I've been kind of rooting for Salernitana too, and I I think it's just through the fact that I went to a Salernitana game with the away fans this season. And, and when you go to places, you do develop like a slight affinity for them. And I've I don't care if Cagliari get relegated. And when I look at the Serie A table, I think it might be because it's the only place. I've not been to Salerno for a home game, but I've been with their away fans. It's the only ground I've not been to other than that is Cagliari's. Um, I'd love to see Ampoli get relegated because their stadium's a dump. But other than that, I've been to all of those stadiums. So something in me feels a little bit sad to see them go. Um, although while we're on that, I'm very happy to see Cremonese get promoted because mm. I've not been to, to Cremona and it's very, very close to Palmas as a new stadium for me to tick off the list next season. Kev, if you're looking, pop over. We'll go to Cremona together. <laughs> Two thumbs up. I appreciate that. Good. Um, so I don't know who I want to come up in the playoffs, but we'll get to that. But we need to free up spaces in Serie A for these playoff teams to come up. And Vito, I don't know how to choose who's going to go down anymore. Oh, it's really a mixed bag. It's so hard to tell now. I mean, uh, look, I still think Jan, uh, Ven- well, Vanets is definitely going to go down, but yeah. I still think Jenna is going down. And I, and I, at this stage, even though Altari scored that equaliser, I still think um, I still think Coyote is going to get relegated. And um, Kev, I can see your trap, uh, your chat. <laughs> uh, you can keep dreaming. Kev, come on! You were yeah, sorry. last week. You were you were saying all sorts in messages to me. You said you wanted both relegated. You're saying it now in the chat. Come on. I was about eight points of tenancy. Period, but, <laughs> yeah, well, I can hear it in your voice, mate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's, you just look at those bottom teams, and I watched I watched Lazio's Samp, which actually at the start, um, Connor, you said that Lazio beat Sampdoria two one, and it was it was two zero. You know, it was they were they were nowhere near uh, looking likely to score a goal, uh, and again there was just there was just so for all the bad sort of publicity if that's the right word for you know the Genoa get for their performances this season when I sort of watched the two of them last week it was like they, it's it, just you know, you from could, you could toss, you could just toss a coin no no the thing is you look at those sides you're talking about MP are on 37 points and you've got Sampi you've got Spezia you know Chuck Spezia down there as well it's like no. all those teams they're so they're so similar into sort of the, mm. the quality you know you could you could take any number of them really and like you as we were discussing earlier, you you'd love Empoli to go because the grounds are dump. You you, you, know, you don't particularly like Cagliari. You know you've got if we're doing it from that, you know Venezia. It's it's just an interesting journey yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. a nice, nice journey going into. You know I would love Samp and Genoa to stay up together because I think it is one of those games what the, the that Serie A needs. It's mm. it's one of the most interesting atmospheric games that you get. And in a way, that's why I want both of them to go down because I would like that city because they're not going to get, you know, Sam Park going to probably next year reach European places. So the enjoyment they get from most seasons is turning Genoa over and you lose the derby in Serie A, you lose the derby in the city. So if you go down to Serie A B, then, right. then, then the, the, the city <laughs> retains the derby. So you want so both I'm, to I'm, go down or both to stay up? You don't want one exactly. No, exactly. No, and that's it. It's, it's slightly tongue-in-cheek. I just think when you go, and I, and I, I really do, implore anybody to go over and experience the Genoa derby you're probably not mm. going to be able to do it next year uh, and let's hope if Genoa go down and Sam stay up Genoa can come back up quickly because it is a brilliant uh, event to attend and I think that the league will really miss out losing it it is I've often said on this podcast that it's my favorite one that I've been to I've been to the Rome derby I've been to the Milan derby but that one's my my favorite Kev you were at it last week so aside from the rubbish football Tell people why they should go. How is it? Oh, the, the the city comes to life because it's you know there's not a lot. There's not a great deal of tourism. I said in a message to you, Connor, that was one. That's one of the beautiful things with Genoa. Yeah. You can catch it when the weather's lovely. You know, you've not got a lot of sort of. I won't say the nation that I said where you've yeah. got all the voices and the tourism. You've not got. You know, you go to Verona. Sometimes you've got like busloads of people, maybe from the UK or America or wherever, sort of walk in the city. I was just in you Florence know. today, mate. Tell me about it. I know. Yeah. 
you don't get that. You know, we went to a little traditional uh, restaurant just on the sort of a, de- a side alley. Again, I ended up speaking to this chap who was a Sampdoria sort of fanatic. He took me into his back room because he realised I was there for the derby. And people really do. Oh, sorry, because he had he had signed photos. He was talking about Liam Brady and Soonis and all, and all these players. And the people embrace you in general. And they mm. love that you're there for the derby. And I say the city just comes alive on the day. You stop, you stop outside a bar where you've got some general, you've some stamp, stamp fans eating and drinking, and then they, they invite you in, they give you a drink, mm. two months, ten super. But you know, <laughs> it's, 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 a really, it's a really brilliant place to go and catch the derby between the two teams. Genoa's different. Genoa is different to, to most Italian cities. And I say that about Napoli as well. And I think there are comparisons to be drawn between Genoa and Napoli. Obviously, both port cities, they both have a little bit of dirtiness about them, but in quite an endearing way. You know, like anyone that's from a seaside town or city will know the certain colour that the buildings get because of the sea salt that blows in. And and Genoa's covered in that as well, that you can smell the sea everywhere you go. The food's great as well, by the way. Focaccia, farinata, pesto. Just go to Genoa and eat. Never mind. If even if there's no derby, just go to Genoa. It's a beautiful city. Um, Vito, I know you're gonna want to have something to say while we're praising Genoa. <laughs> yes. Well, I've been I've been to Genoa twice, uh, both for Sampdoria home games. So for that experience, the first time was great because Sampdoria won six nil. Second time, not so much. Inter won three one. But Genoa as a city in general is very intriguing because it is a port city and it was a so-called maritime republic centuries ago. And the interesting thing was when I was there nearly three years ago and I had that interview with the uh, Sampdoria uh, YouTube page, um, I was speaking to the man who interviewed me, Federico Falasco, who's in charge of the social media accounts. And one of the interesting things he told me is that Geno is a city with a lot of secrets but the locals like to hide them. So mm. it is a historical city, but at the same time, as much as they would value the tourists, it's like, uh, I don't think they like to be like a Rome, a Venice or a Florence where they do get swamped and bombarded from these, you know, noisy tourists who just carry on a lot. I think uh, as much as they would like to see people come, I think they're just certain things they like to sort of, keep to themselves or it's like if you go there you just got to appreciate for what it is and not expect things from where you're from just see for what they are and you'd be able to understand and acknowledge why the locals cherish these things so much and uh, it's got its own unique charm to it Genoa as a city and you know the culture the architecture the cuisine so you know obviously the football's number one it's an incredible derby but, uh, yeah, it does have its redeeming features too. So, yeah, definitely an underrated city. I love that you just said Genoa is a, a Genoa. And then you were continuing the sentence to say is, like, wonderful. But you had to interfere with Genoa. The city is fantastic. Just so we couldn't take it out of context and use it against you. Oh, absolutely. Very <laughs> well done, Mr. Doria. Very well done. But I, I fully endorse all of those things that everybody said. Guys, I'm going to push you. You and... Those two boys spoke a little bit, so you're getting the responsibility here. Who's going down? Uh, what, out of Genoa and Sam, or just everyone? No, the whole lot, because both are going down. Um, <laughs> I think Calgary are going to go mm. with Genoa and Valencia. Oh, so you're, you're so going for the current bottom three. It changes weekly. It's very exciting. Day. next week I should say Empoli play Salernitana (laughs) so we know who's winning that and Salernitana play Udinese on the last day of the season Cagliari meanwhile they play Venezia on the last day of the season and Inter next week as we already said Salernitana stay up don't they like there's no way Salernitana are getting relegated from this position they're gonna they're gonna beat Empoli 7-0 or something and then they won't need to be Udinese on the last day of the season. But I, if we're talking about places that I just want rid of in Serie A, Empoli, see you later, because it's difficult to get to and it's a dump. 
I want Udinese gone. I've wanted Udinese gone for as long as I've been contributing to this podcast. And Cagliari, just because, I mean, the racisms aren't great either, are they? And they're just, they're not, they're not offering anything in, in Serie A. If they were good, fair enough. But those three teams, if we could just get rid of those, and it's two Northern teams as well. We like to get a few Southern teams up, um, which is why it's nice as well to see Lecce getting promoted the southernmost team there is so that's quite pleasant anyway we'll take a break we'll go to the Serie A Feminile Ewan and this is where you're going to come in and we're going to need to take a breath before we get into this because this weekend was the penultimate weekend and it all went a bit mad at the bottom but it all went so bad that nothing really changed because at the top, Juventus sealed a fifth straight Scudetto. They've only been playing in Serie A for five years. They beat Sassuolo 3-1 to claim it. Roma joined them in the Women's Champions League. They beat Samp 8-0. And Milan, I think they secured third place. They did secure third place by beating Inter in the Derby 3-0. But the things at the top weren't all that interesting. We do have to give Juventus a little bit of credit, which we will do, and Roma as well. But at the bottom, Lazio and Hellas Verona drew 4-4, the two bottom teams in the league. That didn't do anything for anybody because it took Lazio down with Hellas Verona. Because at the same time, Napoli beat Empoli 3-1, having gone behind. A result that should have taken them out of the bottom three. And put Fiorentina into the bottom three. But Fiorentina beat Pomigliano 1-0 away from home. Meaning Fiorentina overtook Pomigliano. Pomigliano are now ninth, Napoli 10th. So on the last day of the season, Fiorentina, despite being rubbish, are safe. Because it's going to be Pomigliano or Napoli getting relegated. And guess what? They play each other. A draw keeps Pomigliano up. But its winner stays up effectively. And Ewan, Napoli did it last year. Surely they can't do it again. Just come from nowhere and stay up on the last day of the season. This would be quite something from Pomigliano. If they go down. We, we yeah. kind of talked about it last. I say last weekend. Two. Weekends I think ago. we. I think we said on the preview pod this week that they can go down, but they won't. And here they are. Yeah, yeah but I think we, we we sort of discussed how they they hold a lot of power, and they are in the picture, but they won't go down. It will mm. be one and and now. You know, with with Napoli coming off the back of a win, and Pomigliano, you would assume, really quite scared now. Um, you can really picture them going down. Yeah. Of. And you know, in in some ways, that would be a shame because they've just come back up, and um, you know, they're they're one of the teams without sort of the name of a large men's team attached to them. Um, but to be fair to Napoli, they're a different club to the Napoli men. There's no affiliation yeah, between yeah. those two sporting societies. Um, which is odd. Yeah, that is weird. Is it, you, you have to do a lot of digging to find out that sort of thing. It's, mm. it's hard work trying to find out who is owned by the wider club and who isn't. Um, but Omniano were like, they, they had a really good patch of form in the middle of the season and they would just seem to be sort of like where Sampar now, just sort of completely mid-table. You know, they're not going to get anywhere near the European spots or anything like that, but they'll be fine. And they sort of get four points out of every... Oh six or you know three three or four um but they've just sunk like a stone and i can genuinely imagine napoli actually getting all three points on that final day yeah i I think napoli will do it because they've got the experience of doing it as well last season again they were in that running with san marino uh, and they somehow managed to stay up um kev you want to ask a question yeah, I, I just found it quite interesting what you said about Napoli not having any affiliation with the. Oh, oh, um, no. <laughs> there's nothing I asked. Just, just uh, I, I did say in the our comments uh, that you might not know the answer anyway. Surely they they operate with the Napoli no, crest. No, they don't. No. Oh, okay. So I, I made an assumption they operate with a crest, and I was going to okay. just ask whether they would franchise that off of the other club. But if they don't, then they, they clearly is that separation between the two. It is different. Yeah, it is just an N in a blue circle, but it's a it's not really a circle. It's more of an oval, and the uh, the N is slightly different, and they're different colors. But so it's, it's a bit like a pro evolution. Yeah, it, it exactly scenario. is. But it's spelled Napoli and not Napoli. Do you know, like which it would be in pro evo, but. I don't know, Kev, to be honest. Don't ask why. I think it's quite scandalous that Napoli are as big a club as they are and they've not got a, a women's team that they're f- supporting and funding. I, I say the same thing about Atalanta. They 
dipped their toe for a couple of years and then ran away. But to Atalanta's credit, I know for a fact that they are putting big money into um, into women's football at underage level. So that will come up. Napoli, I don't know what they're doing, but there should be quite an easy transition where those two clubs can become one because it will be helpful for Napoli as well in that there's already a structure, there's already a foundation. Napoli Feminile have youth teams as well. Um, so there's plenty there for them to to be interested in if they were to, to come together and it would help the women's team, you would imagine, to, to no end as well. But at the top, Juventus winning another Scudetto is as impressive as it is upsetting. They're five points clear of Roma going into the last day. But in a more positive story, Roma wrapping up Champions League football, which is more than deserved given their form since the, about November, I guess. Yeah, from the from the beginning, sort of the, the first maybe four weeks of the season or whatever, you'd, you'd have had them nailed on to finish fourth. Mm. You know, it very much felt like it was the top three of Sassuolo and Milan. They were were the ones who would be fighting for the title. That swiftly became two teams, um, and then. Suddenly, it sort of stayed as two, but it swapped. <laughs> yeah, you know, Roma just went on this surge, and um, you know, you'd almost think if if the season was like five games longer, you can almost imagine a, a world where I, I can't I can't bring myself to say as far as they'd win the league, but they'd finish closer. <laughs> oh yeah, than, than they have ended up doing because they they were genuinely in better form than Juve. Um, the problem with saying that is that you always get the feeling with Juve that there's another there's another gear mm. there. There's, they could always be doing something better. They've got some incredible players who actually, for their own standards, haven't scored that many goals. They've just not really needed to. And you, you feel like people like Girelli, Bonanzea, etc., could easily yeah. hit double figures if if the team needed it. But because their fullbacks and centre backs seem to score regularly as well, they don't need to. <laughs> yeah, and to be to give her credit, Ariana Caruso. Now I, I think she's one of my favourite players in, in Serie A Femminile, purely. <laughs> Originally because she's the most fun player in the world to watch celebrate a trophy. And Juve win quite a few, so you get the opportunity quite often to see that happen. But she's got eight goals this season from midfield in, what, 20 games? That's a ridiculously good record. Like, so, so good. Over the course of, what, a 40-ish game season, 16 goals from central midfield. Not bad at all. And she's banging them in for Italy, too. So she's been to watch the Euros this summer, actually. Um... We will talk a little bit more about Serie A Femminile, Ewan and I, once the season has officially wrapped up next week. And then there's the Coppa Italia Femminile final between Juve and Roma. And I'm so excited for that on May 22nd. Um, back to the men's football and the other games that I suppose we've got to talk about. Um, Genoa beat Juventus. Now, we've spoken about Genoa in the context of the relegation battle, but... There was a an image from this game, which I don't know if you saw, guys. I tweeted because Juventus were 1-0 up, or was it one all at this point? It was one all, and there were about 90 seconds to go, and, and Moise Ken had an open goal from just over 12 yards. I don't think anybody in Genoa would have thought Genoa were getting out of there with three points at that moment, but Moise Ken somehow missed. Genoa got a penalty, and Kev... Domenico Crescito only stepped up to take it and scored after missing in the derby last week. What a story that is. But you've got a different take on it, which I actually agree with. Yeah, well, I think the narrative is all about sort of Crescito's redemption after the derby miss. But, uh, you know, I think if I'm a Genoa fan, I'm sort of sitting there thinking, oh, you know, I don't really care if we go, if you score this, if we still go down, I'm bothered about our city neighbours sort of crowing for the last week over, you, you know, us losing the derby. And that's that's the thing. I mean, I mean and if they go down by a point, it's not going to be... Nobody's going nobody's to remember this, this. It's not even a historic victory over Juventus because look at the state of them at the moment. But Oh, come yeah, on, it, come it, on. It, it's still historic. Beating Juventus is always good. I mean, it's... Well, yeah, maybe historic is the wrong word, but maybe it's... it's, it's, it's yeah, it's a big event. But, yeah, you'd be just... I'd be going, oh my, you know, I'm sure there were plenty of Genoa fans that walked home that evening and thought, oh, why couldn't he have done that? Why couldn't he have done that last week? Because I've had to go to work with Marco or, you know, Gianni and whoever else has been ribbing them all week for it. And, you know, and that's, 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 you know, we've all had that in little local rivalries that we've, we've seen our teams lose over the years or, you know, let us down at the last minute. 
Kev, no, not Kev, sorry, you're not Kev. Vito, uh, Juventus had 12 shots to Genoa's 18, despite having more of the ball. <sighs> Allegri. Mm. Yeah, as much as I would love to blame Allegri for this loss, <laughs> um, you'd have to blame the individuals for this game because it's just puzzling that you've actually lost this game. Kane probably would have scored a hat-trick or even got a, a poker if he knew how to shoot properly in this game. Because the chances were there, but it was just so wasteful, it was absurd. And then uh, Morata, okay, he decided to pass to Keane, and Keane scored that chance near the end. But uh, with greater composure, Morata should have buried that himself, whether he just side-foot the ball around City Goal or even chipped him. Um, Morata could have been the hero. But uh, the blame for Genoa's goals has to go to Mattia De Chilio. I mean... The way he let Goodmanson ghost past him, that was amateurish. And then for the decisive penalty, um, it was either Ekuban or Yaboa that he tripped, and that just looked very clumsy. So um, that's where, you know, you can play well in certain games or even play bad, but there are decisive moments where you just got to have that uh, focus and that concentration, and unfortunately... The Shilio was clearly off his game against the Grifone. Venezia Bologna. Kev, you're a champion of this game. You were you were bigging it up before we came on air. You like Venezia, not as much as Ewan. Actually, I don't know. Do you like Venezia? You kind of did them down in the chat a minute ago. Um, no, I, 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 uh, do I like Venezia? Um I maybe I don't like the oh the, oh yeah you the, don't like that the trendy the hype, the hype team bit but um, yeah I do like how you know interesting place to go and and all that but yeah no it, it was another great game you know I, I feel like the only time I've I've watched them in full this season has been when I was there and they lost four three to Verona and then obviously we uh, you know they they win four three with a last minute goal it was more it was more about Bologna that. Because I was watching the game, and they were—they were just—they just seemed to be imploding. And I think I'm right in thinking this is Mihailovic's first game back onto the bench. And it just made me because obviously he's been, you know, ill, and it's great that he's got over it. But it made me think of something from my probably my childhood, where when I, when I was quite young, me, me dad had to go into hospital. He had a sort of collapsed lung, and I thought it was one of those. Your dad went into hospital, and he went now. Be good for your mum. And all me and me brothers and me sister, we all behave ourselves. And as soon as he comes out of hospital, <laughs> we we start behaving like little sods again. And it's like the Bologna players have been sort of up in their game. They beat they beat they beat into, you know, they've had this sort of string of sort of relatively positive results. And as soon as he came out, I sort of it flashed him on the bench and I thought that's exactly like what we did as kids. Because like you're on your best behaviour because like your dad's away or whatever. And I thought so, you know, they, they did pull it. They did pull themselves together, actually, and got back into it and made a really sort of uh, eventful end to the, end to the match. The end of this game, to me, sort of encapsulated what has been one of, if not the main problem with Venezia, where it was Dennis Johnson who scored the winning goal. And at the start of the season, when there was still optimism around, mm. um, he was one of the more exciting forward He players. was so exciting. Yeah, he, he just looked like he'd be a lot of fun. And you almost forget he's there. And that was his first goal of the season. And I mean that sums it up, that he was one of the more exciting players that you thought would make a difference for him this year. And he's finally got his first goal of the season. And um, he's played, I think I think it was 24 times when I looked it up. I don't know exactly how many minutes in each, each of those 24 he's had. But, you know, he's been on the pitch. And they've just got a lot of players who have just not had enough of an impact. And it's all... Too little, too late now. Well, I'll just follow that sentiment that uh, Ewan just echoed there. I mean, it was a lovely goal for Johnson to to win it. It was a fabulous strike. But uh, I remember in the early pods this season, uh, as good as Johnson's dribbling was, his shooting was poor. And mm-hmm. I thought, if he constantly keeps ballooning these shots, it's going to be uh, costly. And... Uh, if he knew how to shoot, who knows? Maybe Venezia would have picked up some points earlier. He probably would have stayed in the team a bit more. And maybe they would have had a better second half of the season. But yeah, it really is a case of too little, too late. And when you look at this result, 
it's really a case of what could have been because there have been some games where Venezia have been involved and they've been quite exciting. So there was the 3-2 win at home to Roma early in the season. Then there was the capitulation against Verona after being 3-0 up. And then there's this game where there were some fine goals. They were losing at one stage. They still came back. So, um, you know, there will be some memories left in the bank, I suppose. But, you know, it also goes to show that even though on paper, they're still the weakest team in Serie A. But uh, maybe if Zanetti changed things up early on this, this season, as opposed to, you know, Venezia having to wait until a fortnight ago to bring in Son Chin, um, you know, maybe they put a, could have put up a better fight for regu- relegation. Kev, Atalanta won 3-1 at Spezia. Their record away from the ho- away from home is their best ever in Serie A, which is weird considering where they are this season. And they've been decent away from home for quite a few years now. But the the really important thing here is that they wore their salmon kit again and they won again. Now, their record in this salmon kit is phenomenal. They've played six games. They've won five. And they've drawn once, and that draw came away at Lazio when they, if you remember, didn't have a team, and they were playing with all of their kids, some of whom I had never heard of before that game. So this salmon kit, a lot of people are championing it, championing it to be the the home away and third kit for Atalanta next season. Would you be on board with that? No, if, no, 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 no. But wait. If they wore it for every game. So they change their colours. That's even worse. But they wear it yeah. every game. You're all about consistency. And let me throw this at you. The colours of Bergamo are actually red and yellow. So what if they put a little yellow trim on it? They'd be wearing their city's colours. No, I'm already I'm all, I'm for tradition, not okay. continuity. Okay. And uh yes. No, no. I to be honest, I think I've been writing this on my spreadsheet as Atlanta's orange away. Mm. Um, so I well, don't know if I've got an issue I, with I, I have it, Kevin. I don't know what colour it is. Um, the, the official branding, I think, is hot salmon. Um, but I don't know what that means. Um, it's it's red and orange and a little bit pink all at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> For older listeners, uh, hot salmon sounds like something Troy McClure from The Simpsons would be into. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I've never felt closer to Ewan's age than I currently do. So thank you for oh, that. I appreciate reference. it. <laughs> Ewan and I just looked at each other in the camera. He's like, that. Nah. <laughs> it's not for me, that one. I understood like, the reference to the was, show, but that's a, that sounds like a niche. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, was a, he, was a spring, he was a Springfield celebrity with a, uh, a, a sexual fetish for, for, for sea life. So a hot salmon oh. would be uh, probably a magazine oh, pick up off of the top shelf. Did not expect <laughs> that. I did not expect that when you <sighs> when you made the reference or when you started the sexual fetish part. Did not expect expect sea life to follow there. Describe Vito's jumper as hot salmon. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't know what color it is. It's a mystery. No one knows what color Vito's jumper is. He's lying about it. <laughs> Vito's, I'm going to take a screenshot because Vito is, has been lying to us about the colour of this jumper for the entire season. Now, he claims it's red. It's quite obviously not red. I'm going to post it on Twitter. We'll do a poll. Um, but on the yes. football, on, on the football, Ewan, we were talking about spreading goals around in, in the Juventus women team. Barrett Jim City scored for Atalanta today to become their 20th goal scorer this season obviously that's more than anyone else that's an insane statistic yeah it is I, I kind of like there being statistics like that because in my head without knowing the stats for the last few years it's felt like they're a team that do mm. share the goals and that's, that's one of the main factors of the way they play everyone gets involved in every single part of the pitch and because they work so hard that's how they're able to do that um, but yeah 20 is mad obviously the season's not gone how they'd hope but that is something to cling on to. Kev's talking about hot salmons again in the comments. Um, Kev Sassuolo, Udinese, 1-1. Does anyone care? Oh, 
Couldn't follow my mute. Uh, no, probably not. All right, well, let's talk about the I'll other one instead. Lazio beat Sampdoria 2-0. You did talk about this, actually, didn't you? Do we need to go into it again? Uh, no, it was, a, it was a largely boring game. I found it. I, you know, I had a bit of a laugh with Alistair McKenzie when he said, uh, if you need a goal, you just call Patrick. And I said, he's talking for Lazio or the opposition. <laughs> because I, mean, I, think, I, think, I think the term runs true for, for either side. Ah, but um, they'll, they'll be happy to stay above Roma if uh, Roma obviously don't pick up a points in their game tomorrow. Uh, I think Patrick scoring that first goal is like punishment for me bad-mouthing him on the pod in previous editions. Remind me what you called it, because just as you started talking then, it popped into my head that you really went for him one week. I can't remember what you called him, but <laughs> something along the lines of a disgrace or something like that. It might have been that, or I said he was useless. Useless, I think it was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> something yeah, like that. shouldn't be a footballer, something like that. He did go off. It, it was yeah. a classic of the Vito Vence genre. Kev. It was warranted, I should say. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I was, I'm off Patrick now. I'm on to Luis oh, Alberto because I saw uh, I saw quite a lot of Twitter. <laughs> we're having fun, Kev. Sort of... We were enjoying ourselves. Oh, okay. Well, well, Patrick did leap like a salmon to sort of head the oh, first goal in. Um, <laughs> but no, I just wanted to move on to Luis Alberto's goal because it got so much. Well, what I saw, it might have just been various Lazio accounts tweeting out how good it was. I thought it was it was nice, you know, the old roll roll your boot over the ball to around the goalkeeper and pass in, but. I was when I because I heard all that before I saw the game. I was sort of I was expecting a goal of the season contender, and uh, didn't quite live up to it. Tumbleweed. I was just trying to see what would happen if I didn't speak. <laughs> you, 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 Kev, you fill that then out very quickly to give you credit, but. I'm not giving you credit for the way you did it. Um, Napoli won 1-0 away at Torino, but again, Ewan, does anyone care? No. Um, Perfect. Fabian Ruiz did a nice goal, as he does sometimes. There he goes. With his... Oh, Insigne missed another penalty. That's, he did, that's but no, does anyone that. care anymore? He's not a Serie A player anymore. Yeah, it's, it's funny, though. Four. <laughs> is it, is it, is it funny, the word? Really? Um, I don't know. That makes it sound like I hate Napoli, and I don't. Yeah. But, um, yeah, anyway, falls a lot. They're going to come for you now. You've seen Napoli Twitter, right? You've seen <laughs> what happened to the to the girl that commented on their toilets. I'm not in the <laughs> attached by Napoli Twitter. Right. They'll have a scroll and realise, actually, do you know what? He's not that confrontational. <laughs> At Burns underscore Ewan on Twitter for anybody concerned. Yeah, um, do you work? That will that will probably see us through until next week, I suppose. We will be back, of course, for patrons on two podcasts this week. Oh, do you know what, actually? Three bonus podcasts this week because there is the, the Serie A preview pod, which will come out on Friday, as always. I don't know why the boys are laughing because they're nervously laughing because they know one of them is going to have to step up to the plate on Wednesday night because we've got the, the Coppa Italia final and then I interviewed Sassuolo's Lana Clallan during the week, and it was it's quite an enjoyable, um, it's quite an enjoyable interview. You and you've listened to it, so why should the listeners listen to it on Patreon? Because it's a very nice chat that contains general, <laughs> that's not ge- selling general, it. General general niceness between two people, but also she actually says some very interesting stuff. And about and what did I call her? What did I call her? Oh, well, I'm not, I'm not allowed to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I've remembered that P- Patreon is where I'm allowed to swear. <laughs> there you go. I call the footballer something that we're not allowed to say on a podcast to her face. Is and it went well. Uh, yeah. What's the line so. out of it? Yeah. Let's just err on the side of caution. Um, but yeah, so go to patreon.com and, and listen to that five euro a month and you'll, you'll get those three bonus podcasts this week. Um, more than worth your money. I think. But we also spoke about what it actually means for for women's footballers to be going professional next season, which I thought was quite interesting from from her perspective because it's kind of important for reasons that we don't even consider, right? Like things that just say, never really cross your mind. That are actually obvious. Yeah. They don't cross your mind when you're just looking through a, a football lens. Yeah, too right. Um, Vito, do you want to give a quick shout to the Serie B playoff 
situation. I know you just mentioned it. Maybe you've not got all the information to hand. If not, it's okay. Just say no. It's fine. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, it's quite interesting. I mean, considering that Lecce are back in Serie A, another yo-yo team, but they've been scoring quite well. And Cremonese in Serie A for the first time since 95-96. They've done it with a group of mostly young Italians. So that's pretty impressive. But uh, Serie B is looking quite interesting. Um, yeah, I'm still predicting Monza to go through to get, uh, you know, the Bellasconi and Galliani hype up again. That would be amusing. But I think if not them, uh, I'd like Pisa back, actually. They were regulars in the 80s. And the last time they were in Serie A was uh, 1990-91. So 30 years away. So another team that's long overdue, like Cremonese were. So I reckon it'd be another interesting playoff battle. Speaking of young Italians, am I right in thinking Cremonese is where Gianluca Gaetano is? The Napoli. Yes, the Napoli youngster. Yeah, he, he has been popping up on my timeline with very nice goals consistently throughout yes. the season. Um, yes, and mine too. If, if, if they're coming up, I suppose they've got more chance of possibly getting him on a loan again, mm. which would be very nice to see. Marco Carneschi in goal as well. Um, on loan from Atalanta is. Is so good that Atlanta are considering letting Musso leave already and just bringing <laughs> Karneski back. Um, he's been incredible this season. My my personal support in the playoffs is for Benevento or Pisa, that failing Perugia, because I personally think Monza's repeated failure to get promoted automatically is hilarious. Because they're just <laughs> pumping money into it. They had Kevin Prince Boateng and Mario Balotelli last year and still didn't get promoted. It's very funny. And also Berlusconi. Like I, I know he's funny in that, but nah. I, I don't I don't want that again. That was insufferable <laughs> at the end. Um so just just leave him down there where we don't really have to bother ourselves with him. Um yeah, so some one of the teams that's not from Above Tuscany would be would be great to be honest with you. I want to see Pisa because um, when they came up from Sedici a couple two three years ago, um, I was there that night. And oh, in a bar there, and uh, just by pure coincidence, and um, they, I mean, it was it really was like about two or three scooters per person. It was <laughs> incredible. <laughs> like, I know that seems obvious, but like. Yeah, when they all come out at once, yeah, <laughs> and we did not get any. We we were we were staying on a busy road, and it was very hot, so we had to have all the windows open. We did not get any sleep. Two or three out. scooters per person, or through two or three people per scooter. Well, it felt like both. Like it, it felt like there was. But then it would just be <laughs> one for each, wouldn't it? <laughs> I, know, I know it doesn't. How is one person like. driving three scooters? <laughs> well, he's not because there's three of them, Kev. So there. <laughs> You don't need somebody riding a bicycle with another bicycle next to it yeah. who's holding it. Yeah. I don't know if you can but do that. He didn't on the back of his own bike, did he? Um, anyway. Sounds like some crazy circus act. We, we'll, we'll keep you posted on whatever happens in the, in the Serie B playoffs, of course. They're always a lot of fun, so do tune in if, if you possibly can. But anyway, until then, keep an eye on Patreon because the, the Clallon pod will drop on Tuesday. Then we've got the Coppa Italia pod on Wednesday and the, the preview on Friday. So plenty to come. Guys, thank you very much. Everybody, Vito, Kev, Ewan, thank you for your time. Listeners, we love you. Speak to you soon. Bye.